What's up, everybody? It's your man, Plyrock. And before we get started with today's podcast, just wanted to take this opportunity to remind you to please follow us on Facebook at Ply and the Moldog. That's P-L-Y-A-N-D-T-H-E. D-A-W-G, Ply and the Muldog. You can also find our live video game show most nights of the week at Plyrock Gamer on Facebook. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Plyrock Gamer. P-L-Y-R-O-C-K-G-A-M-E-R. We appreciate all the support. We'd love it if you dropped us some feedback, a subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. It really helps out the show. Thank you so much and enjoy. Meeting at the intersection of entertainment and knowledge, of greatness and destiny, comes the greatest sports video game movie podcast on today. Please welcome in your hosts, Plyrock and Mitch the Moldaw. What's going on, everybody? It's your man, Plyrock, alongside his co-host, Mitch the Moldog. What's going on, Moldog? How are you, man? What do you mean, what's going on? Too much is going on to even talk about for crying out loud. That's a loaded question. What's going on? You you tell me. Oh my gosh, I know. We just finished up uh just discussing, you know, all the crazy events going on in the world. But uh this particular episode, we're gonna turn our attention to some positive news and we're gonna turn our attention to some positive things going on in the world of video games. So, Muldog, I don't know if you heard of a particular franchise called Call of Duty. Even the Muldog has heard of Call of Duty. Okay, so Call of Duty is a bigger yearly moneymaker than 99% of the films that come out in Hollywood. Is All that right? true? That is true. Call of Duty makes annually on its first 48 hours or or 72 hour weekend that it's out. It usually crosses the $500 million mark in sales within its first weekend. And that's a low end Call of Duty. That's not that's unbelievable statistic. Holy cow. Yes. A lot of people don't realize the video game industry, much to Hollywood's chagrin, has been surpassing Hollywood and the movie industry in just about every conceivable way, especially over the past decade that the, the pedal has been to the metal, so to speak. And video games are vastly uh, replacing um, mo- especially the- movie theater type stuff uh, for years. So video game industry, just growing leaps and bounds. Hollywood's been kind of stagnant for a while now. Still big business, obviously huge, but uh, besides Disney pumping out one Marvel movie after another and a shitty Star Wars movie once in a while, um, not really not really gaining a lot of traction in terms of growth. But video game industry year over year, uh, and Call of Duty a huge part of that. Whether you like Call of Duty or not, you do have to recognize it is a juggernaut in the world of video games. So they just had a unbelievable new release that came out yesterday being Tuesday, uh, March 10th. Um, A little bit of a surprise. People kind of knew it was coming, but didn't know when it was going to drop. There was a new mode that dropped in Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is this year's iteration of Call of Duty, and it's called Warzone, and we got to play it last night 
on the Ply Rock Nation show live on Facebook Gaming. I did get to play it for about a little over three hours, and I know you're dying to hear about it, Muldog. Well, can I ask you just one question? You can ask me as many questions as you want, man. And again, you know this is coming from my knowledge base of uh, somewhere between uh, not a hell of a lot and zero. Um, the stream, it looked a little cleaner. It looked a little crisper. Was I imagining that? What's going on there? I will definitely get into that maybe a little later. That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yes, we've upgraded some equipment. And uh, most importantly, the capture card that I use to capture the video games and the uh, the uh, signal to my camera as we play. I finally took the leap off the proverbial cliff and jumped in on the Elgato bandwagon, which is a the premier capture card for PCs. And you can clearly tell a difference. And it really helped last night when we were playing Call of Duty Warzone. So um, Call of Duty is looking to really put a dent in... Apex Legends and Fortnite for that massive business, especially Fortnite's been doing for a while now, with the Battle Royale genre. Muldog, do you do you know what the Battle Royale genre is? Yes, I do from the sense or let me let me step back. From the way I would understand that, it would mean X amount of people in one area and one winner after everything goes down. Am I close? You are almost dead nuts, my friend. So basically, it is a predetermined set of players. Every game's kind of a little bit different. In this particular case, uh, well, I'll give you an example. So with Fortnite, which is the most popular Battle Royale game uh, that most concurrent people play all the time, especially every 10-year-old you know, the 100 players are dropped on an island. The island has a whole bunch of different points of interest that you can go visit and hide in and, and things like that. When you drop down the island, that's when you find your guns. That's when you find your armor. Certain guns are more powerful than other guns, etc. And as you play the game, the game forces the remaining players who are still left alive over this course of time, usually 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, there's a storm or a circle that slowly gets smaller as the ticker goes down, kind of forcing people to a particular location on the map. So every two minutes, that circle gets smaller. If you're outside the circle, you'll take damage like you're in the middle of a storm. And if you don't get back into the circle, uh, you will eventually die. So that's the way the game forces the players to slowly move towards each other as the timer ticks down. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Okay, so Fortnite's the big boy. Apex Legend is kind of like the second place big boy when it comes to that. Both of them play a little differently, but it's the same basic concept. 100 people, one particular contained spot, which is usually pretty big, by the way. And then last man standing wins. And and by when you win, or the more you play these games, a lot of these games are free to play. Uh, you will unlock new outfits for your character, new weapon skins, new emotes, new uh, music for the menus and things like that. So there is a progression system where you are able to unlock different things to like, you know, show off how cool you are in the game. And some of the stuff's actually really cool. So Call of Duty came out with a Battle Royale mode in their last 
Call of Duty game last year. And for those people who don't know, Call of Duty does come out annually. Uh, Up until very recently, three studios were working on Call of Duty, which means every year when Studio A would release a Call of Duty, Studio B was st- and Studio C were still working on their Call of Duties, their new games, and then they would each have three years to complete the production process. Uh, that has since changed a little bit over the past uh, month or two. Not something we're going to quite get into in this podcast, but that's the general setup. So last year's Call of Duty was done by a studio named Treyarch. They're kind of the big boys now in the Call of Duty field, and they came out with Black Ops 4. And in Black Ops 4... They took their first shot at a Battle Royale-style event. Um, it was okay. It was pretty popular. Some people played it. Some didn't. It was never free to play. It was always included on the disc with your standard multiplayer and, in this case, zombie mode, which is what Treyarch's known for. This year's Call of Duty had a full campaign a story mode, lasted about four to five hours had the standard multiplayer stuff that Call of Duty is really known for, the death matches and things. Call of Duty Modern Warfare has a co-op mode where four players can work together to beat missions, and then they just added the new Battle Royale mode, Warzone. You do not have to own Call of Duty Modern Warfare to play Warzone. You can download it for free, on your PlayStation, Xbox, or PC. Um, If you do own Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the video game, all of the things you have unlocked from the costumes and the weapon skins do transfer over to Call of Duty Warzone. Now, the difference between Call of Duty Warzone and Fortnite and some of these other ones is Call of Duty has dropped 150 players on a particular map. As of right now, they claim they're going to try to juice it up to 200 people at once, which is insane. 200 people, multiplayer people on one map at one time is kind of nuts. And winner take all, right? It's winner take all, and it's winner take all a few different ways. So it's either you can play a solo match by yourself, so it's, it's 150 people versus each other. You can play a duo match where you and a partner take on 74 other teams or you can play a three-man team where the three of you take on 49 other teams does that make sense it does now can i ask a stupid question you can ask sure (laughs) when does this get decided whether you're playing as a solo a deuce a threesome where do you do you have to make a You know, do you have to make a choice before you start or how does that work? Oh, okay. So whether or not you're playing solos, duos or trays. Correct. That's the mode you pick when you go into the game. So you could say, I want to play solo. I want to play duo or I want to play threes. All right. So it's not like you're halfway through and half the people are dead. And then you're like, hey, man, I need to team up with somebody. No. Okay. No, you pick that before you go into the actual match. Thank you. Uh, for clarification, Call of Duty Warzone right now only has teams of three. They promise they will be adding solos and duos in the very near future. So this is still in beta, technically. What the hell is it these days? But this is still in beta, and they are going to release uh, rather rapidly, according to Infinity Ward, the studio behind Modern Warfare. 
they are going to release updates and new game modes for Warzone sooner rather than later. But right now they're kind of in the testing phase where a lot of people are playing this at once. So the servers are extremely stressed and they want to get through that initial phase before they add more options and more things to do in the game. So with that being said, with the background being said, I got my hands on Call of Duty Warzone last night and I got to play with one of our awesome pioneers, the lag switch, the multitasker himself, Stevie. Shout out to Stevie. You better leave me an iTunes review for that. And got to play with one of Rally Point, our sister station on Facebook, one of our great partners. Got to play with Rally Point Gaming's Preacher, who kind of knew a little bit about Warzone, so he was able to take me around. We had a great time last night, a lot of competitive matches, and these are my initial thoughts. So, I'm not a huge Call of Duty fan anymore, all right, myself. Um, I do enjoy it. It's not something a lot of people are super dedicated to it, and they will grind the holy hell out of it for a calendar year and unlock everything they can until the next duty Call of Duty comes out, and then they'll start all over again. I'm not like that anymore. I was probably like that when I was about 10 years ago. Uh, since then, I have drifted over to different styles of games that are uh, – a little bit different than I don't even know how to explain this than Call of Duty, um, but it it still holds a place in my heart. I still like to play it once in a while. I do buy it every year. I, it doesn't. <laughs> I end up buying it every year, even when I pound my fist and say I'm not going to buy it every year. Just like uh, you pound your fist and say you're not going to the next Batman movie, which you are, by the way. I'm not going to the next Batman movie. Move I on. refuse. Yep. Yep. Thanks for the salt. So anyway. So um, I got my hands on it. We dropped in. We played teams of threes. Um, basically what it is, Moldog, to explain it, is when you do drop in, a plane drops you from the top of the island. You parachute down to where you want on the island, so all the players pretty much spread out pretty evenly. You might drop into a place with more players than others, but more often than not, you're kind of dropping into a place where you, you have some time to get your bearings and start searching for treasure uh i don't want to call them treasure chests they're military crates but you start searching for military crates to open to get weapons to get armor uh to get explosives and things like that so and to pick up money which is an integral part of the game so and then you run into when you run into other players on the opposing team it's kill or be killed and it's pretty tactical so it's fast paced it's still got that call of duty adrenaline to it but it's pretty tactical. It is fun. Um, the game runs smooth, by the way. So credit to Infinity Ward to drop a massively popular beta like this and have me just have a few server issues trying to get into some matches. Nothing really over the top. And to have the game run damn well on my PC right out the jump was impressive. So hat tip to them for that. That's that's important to say. Um, the game looks beautiful. This Call of Duty is is a graphical juggernaut. It looks fantastic. The weapons have always been extremely tight in Call of Duty. I mean, they are accurate. I don't care how many people argue when you play. I shot that guy. He's dead. I swear I shot him. Dude, the weapons are accurate. Shut up. Just go practice. You suck. All right? So... It's it's a tight shooter. It's a tight game, and it's tense. It's tense. Now, when you get killed, Muldog, you're not dead. 
in this game. It's actually pretty interesting. When you get killed in Warzone, you get quote unquote captured by uh by an enemy unforeseen enemy unit. In this case it's the baddie Russians, I guess, from the story mode. You end up going to the gulag showers from the movie The Rock. Do you remember that movie? Oh, The Rock. Sean Connery and Nicholas Cage and Michael Nicolas Bean. Cage. Yeah, and Michael Bean. Remember Michael Bean was the I, head of the unit? I knew you would get that. It was yeah, that was a good movie. Great movie. So, but do you remember the scene in the showers? Yes, sir. So this this place they drag you to is clearly inspired by that particular scene from the movie The Rock. And in this particular, so now you've 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 died on the battlefield, you've been kidnapped, you go to this gulag, and you have one last chance to re-enter the match. You have to go one on one with another player who got killed on the battlefield. You go one-on-one in the gulag showers. Whoever wins that one-on-one battle goes back to the battlefield and their team. The other person is out for the rest of the match. So it's kind of like a a second chance. You've got like one second chance. Now, if you survive the gulag, you come back. When you come back, you rejoin your team, but you do have to parachute back in and kind of hopefully find your team on the map. Um, The map is huge. One of my one of my initial reactions to the map is I don't think it has a lot of personality to it. Uh, I don't think it's very memorable. The map. Um, when I play Fortnite or I play Apex Legends or I even play last year's Call of Duty Black Ops Four Battle Royale, a lot of the map had personality to it, and there were places I remembered. This one just kind of feels like. It's big and it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but it does just feel like a city with some fields. Like there's a there's a storage area. Looks like a public. You store it. There's a, a soccer stadium that you can't go into. But everything kind of looks mundane. You know, it looks like a little too real worldy, and there's nothing really like standing out where you're like, oh. Let's go to that, you know, snake waterfall or whatever. There's no personality to the map yet to me. So, and that could be just a, that could be just a um, side effect of me only playing it for three or four hours. There was nothing that really stood out on the map of like a favorite place I want to go or whatever. So that was kind of one of the only drawbacks. Um, The game is, the game is, it's an, it's insanely hard to win a match against 149 other people, by the way. So, but the progression system was cool. Uh, you unlocked stuff pretty fast. They gave you a ton of XP for fighting in the matches. And I had fun with it. I will tell you this. I don't know how much lasting power it has. I think a lot of these games are coming out with these battle royale modes because everybody's trying to be the next Fortnite. Um, and Fortnite has still, even though it's diminished a little bit, it's still kind of like the undisputed battle Royal champion at the top. And so many people, especially younger players still play Fortnite. but all these other companies are trying to give adults an alternative. So they don't have to say they play Fortnite. Like I'll play the adult one. I don't play Fortnite. That's for kids. Just kind of bullshit. Cause Fortnite's actually pretty cool, but they are trying to be like that edgier version of Fortnite. 
And I just don't see this battle royale. I think for the next month, it's going to be the hot topic and people are going to have fun with it. But I don't see it. I, I, in a year from now, I do not see us discussing Call of Duty Warzone like we still discuss Fortnite uh, for good or bad on a daily basis. Um, Fortnite is updated constantly every two weeks to a month. You're getting they're changing the map a little bit. They're adding new character skins, new challenges, uh, holiday events, weather effects. They change tons of stuff in Fortnite. And that's I get it because that's what Epic does. That's their game. That's their baby. So generally every month you're getting new things in Fortnite to do or new things in Fortnite to play or new weapons or just it's always changing. Call of Duty comes out every year and I don't. And then as soon as this Call of Duty season is over with, Infinity Ward has kind of got to move on to create the next Call of Duty in three years. So I, I don't know. There, I don't. I don't foresee them updating this constantly to keep people there. I kind of see it tapering off, like Call of Duty Black Ops 4's Battle Royale did, because Treyarch now has to move on to doing their Call of Duty, which is a whole nother podcast. But that Call of Duty has kind of also, uh, you know, it tampers off. So the new Call of Duty comes out. And the old one, you know, the old one still has dedicated players. You know, there'll always be some people around, but I don't think this is going to be the big mega Fortnite killer or whatever. I think it'll be fun for a while. Um, and then I think it will settle into a small groove and then you'll have dedicated people there for a while. I don't, I don't foresee it knocking Fortnite off the championship at the top of that mountain. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, there's two there's two things that come to mind again coming at this from a very different angle than you are, but trying to sync them up. And one is I am still wowed by those numbers. My business mind cannot wrap itself around those numbers you spoke about in terms of with the release of these games. That is so fantastic and and great and you know seems like a lot of this is incredibly sustainable because the numbers are there. But the second is this, and this is, this is from the heart. And, you know, we have a fun time on this show and I have a fun time with the self-deprecation angle of, you know, I'm a Donkey Kong guy, space invaders, and we have fun with that. And that is legitimate. And that's true. That's what I grew up on. And half the time when you're talking and, and you're throwing in some jargon, it is completely foreign language, but I can honestly say that as a result of this podcast and and most importantly or most uh, recently this particular podcast where you've been talking about this game, you really have dragged me along and created an interest, and I really can't wait to sit down and actually look at some of these things and do some of these things firsthand. You've kind of taken the old the old dog as opposed to the mole dog, and you've kind of dragged them into you've kind of dragged them into the century and created some excitement. And for that, I thank you. I really am interested in playing some of these games and being able to give some feedback that is a little more than just hey, you know what I grew up on. You had three guys and you died, and that was it. And you put another quarter in. So for that, I thank you, Ply. 
Uh, you're welcome. And, uh, you know, it's been a pleasure uh, dragging you along on this stuff. But I also, you know, we're not done. So I'm excited to get you into the studio to actually play some of this crap with me. And uh, I'm excited that when we find we get you hooked up and you're joining us live on the live show and playing some of these games and talking to the awesome pioneers that we have uh, video games. People who don't understand video games give video games a bad rap right off the bat, right? Like, hey, you play video games. Eh. But you know what? I give jogging down the street a bad rap. Like, fuck that. I ain't jogging. That sucks. So I get it. But at the same time, video games are an outlet for stress. They are uh, they're exercise for the mind. Believe it or not, they, they help hand-eye coordination. They tell unbelievable stories. And I say this all the time. The video game industry is fastly catching up with the Hollywood industry and in some cases surpassing the Hollywood industry in storytelling. I know we've had this discussion before. Um, some of the best music composers in the world are now composing for video games. The best screenwriters in the world are now writing scripts for video games. The best uh, voiceover guys are being used in video games. Perfect. Perfect example. Uh, you know, the the lot of the best talent in the world is naturally moving to an entertainment field that doesn't just present something to you on, on a, on a screen where you sit there like a vegetable and you watch, you are actively participating in the experience of what you are doing. And that's a different type of entertainment. And that's a different type of, uh, feedback for the consumer. So, as these progress and become more and more realistic or more and more complex or just more and more, I don't, I don't get awe inspired anymore. Generally when I see special effects in a movie, when I was a kid, I remember the scene from Jurassic park where they first see the brontosaurus. And that to me was a pivotal moment in my young childhood of just being blown away by the magic of Hollywood. Um, I do still get blown away, even gaming for 30 plus years. Every time the video game industry pulls the pull, pushes the envelope on some type of awe-inspiring looking or feeling game. I still get those feelings of being a little kid again from the video game industry. I generally no longer get those feelings like you go see a Marvel movie and it looks cool and everybody's fighting and it's awesome. The story's fun, but I'm not getting blown away generally by what I'm seeing on the screen. Like if you see a giant alien invasion or a huge dinosaur now, I'm like, oh, that's cool. But when I do get when I do see those things in a video game and I'm part of that experience in the video game it just brings a whole new level to it. Like I can't explain it. I, I guess I, you'd have to almost go along for the ride to feel it yourself. I could point pivotal moments throughout my gaming career um, and call of duty owning some of them as I grew up, you know uh, where I was just jaw dropped at the screen while holding a controller. So I'm in the middle of what's going on and my guy's got to go left or right or figure it out or shoot this guy or do something or make a choice in a story where I'm legitimately awe-inspired. 
And that's just the, the video game industry is very powerful in their storytelling. It's the future of storytelling, you know? Well, uh, and, uh, as an so. out, as an outsider, as an outsider, what comes through ply, I've said this before is your passion that you can't fake that when you talk about some of these games. And even if I know none of these games, I've picked out points and I've picked out situations where you're talking about game A versus game B versus game C. And I know just by your tone and your inflection and the passion that you put into this, what where you really like these games or the games that you prefer over this, that, and the other. That comes through. That can't be faked. And that is, you know, that is part of what is drawing me into this whole situation. I mean, obviously, you know, I do know you on the outside as just a friend also, but the fact that you get so pumped up about these certain things, that says something to me. That speaks volumes. It's funny. My wife always busts my chops because every November before Call of Duty comes out, I'll go, hey, honey, you know, it's a holiday this Friday. What do you mean it's a holiday? Yeah, it's Call of Duty Day. Shut up. She gets, I'm like, no, it's a holiday. Call of Duty comes out at midnight. Like this is like for years, this was like a legitimate holiday. Like where a lot of people, not me, but a lot of people call out of work and, and like, like this is a legitimate, like this is like Christmas for some people when some of these games come out. Hold on one second. Are you telling me that call of duty day is like similar to call out of work on Monday after the Super Bowl? Yes. That is awesome. Yes. And it is, it's that level, dude. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's quite the, I don't have the stats in front of me, so I don't know if it's quite the level of the day after the Super Bowl. Although I suspect with all the uh, turbulence in the sporting industry right now, not related to sicknesses, but related to politics and uh, audiences kind of dwindling for other various reasons. Sooner rather than later, some of these video game release days, Call of Duty being one of the bigger ones, uh, they do have an effect where people are like, yo, bro. I mean, I talked to some people already who who weren't sure if Call of Duty Warzone was going to come out this Tuesday, which it did or was going to drop on the following Tuesday, they took both Wednesdays off of work, like personal days, to make sure that if the game dropped, (laughs) they had time to get into this game and, like, work it through and play it uh, and not have to, like, not, like, miss work, miss work. But they, like, took, like, vacation days to play this. So that's obviously a small sample, but this happens on a regular... Now, I don't... I don't call out of work for Call of Duty. Um, I actually never called out of work for any video game, but I will say I did lose a shit ton of sleep over a lot of them. So, you know, Um, but yeah. So just to get back to Call of Duty's annual sales, I pulled it up while we were uh, bloviating with each other, Muldog. And um, I'm looking at the kind of dirty. We were just talking. (laughs) bloviating means to talk that's what it means i understand that so to give you a little retrospective um call of duty uh i've got a few of them up here now i have millions of units sold on these charts i'm looking for an actual revenue chart it's kind of hard to find like an actual revenue chart but 
if you take the the best selling Call of Duty titles of all time, okay? Call of Duty Black Ops is still the best selling Call of Duty title of all time. It sold thirty million uh copies. Okay? Times that by sixty dollars. Hundred and eighty million. No. Well, no, more than that. Billion. There you go. So that Black was Ops. Top of my head, by the way. Yeah, that was incredible. So off you're better than Brian Williams and that lady it was like, oh, I've spent more. But um Black Ops sold thirty, almost thirty-one million units. Uh now this is over the course of nine years. Okay. Because I'm I'm looking at a chart from last year. However, most of those sales of units, I guarantee you, were in the first year that the game was out. Because every year a new Call of Duty comes out. So every year sure. kind of restarts again. So, it, so steps yet, on, it steps on the toes of the existing ones out there. Yes. So 30 million units, the best of all time. The worst Call of Duty of all time right now, believe it or not, and it's actually a really great game. It kind of makes me sad. Call of Duty World at War came out in 2008, sold 16 million units. So that's like the bottom of the barrel for Call of Duty. Now, this is a this is according to VG charts, which are usually pretty good with video game statistics. But an average unit price or is that impossible on some average average unit price still in 2008? It's fifty nine ninety nine a title. So it's 60 bucks a title. One point. Oh, my goodness. Even even at that. But that I, when I was giving you those stats, of, dollars, that's still over a billion dollars. So when I was talking to you about the Call of Duty opening weekend making four or five hundred million dollars, I didn't. That wasn't the lifespan of the game. So those, a lot of these games are still played by a small, dedicated group of people. But but just to show you the dollars flowing around here, if if Call of Duty doesn't come out, Activision's in trouble with their shareholders. Do you know what I'm saying? I understand it completely what, what you're saying. And just to put that in perspective, what would Hollywood give for a hundred million dollar opening weekend? Well, here you go. Be a monster, you, right? Let, let me ask you. Let me let me tell you this real quick. <clears throat> so let's go back to 2018. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's the top ten video games and their revenue. I got revenue numbers for these. In the in the calendar year 2018, okay, the lowest performing video game on this top 10 list, number 10, not lowest performing of the year, but lowest performing for the top 10. Okay. $429 million revenue for Overwatch. <clears throat> okay. That's number 10. Number nine, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, $440 million. Number eight, Monster Hunter World, four hundred and sixty-seven million. Number seven, FIFA nineteen Soccer Simulator, four hundred and eighty-two million. Number six, Call of Duty World War Two. Here's a here's a, a take in one calendar year, five hundred and six million. Here here's number five, Red Dead Redemption Two, which came out by the way in November of twenty eighteen. I remember this well. So this game was only out for a month before they took these numbers, $516 million. 
So that's not a 12-month number. That's a one-month number. Okay? Wow. Call of Duty Black Ops 4, which was actually only has about a month in there, too. Call of Duty World War II was a 2017 release, so that kind of had a calendar year to work through for that number. Call of Duty Black Ops 4 was the 2018 Call of Duty, $612 million. Grand Theft Auto 5, which, by the way, came out actually in like 2014. Every year generates about up to 2018 was generating about $600 million a year. Okay, huge game. That 600 is nuts. That is still a game. Are, are they re- releasing new versions of that or no? No, Grand Theft Auto Five just has a huge online uh, popularity, and it's okay. actually if you if you're ever bored, everybody, and you go to Facebook Gaming and you look up the streamers who do Grand Theft Auto Five, uh, some of the funnest streams you'll ever watch. Uh, they mod it. They change the game. Uh, they do wild and crazy things. Call of Duty, or excuse me, Grand Theft Auto Five in 2018 made 628 million dollars. Number two, FIFA 18, which is uh, the previous year's soccer game for Electronic Arts, made 790 million dollars. And and the number one revenue game in 2018 was PUBG, Player Under Unknown Battlegrounds, which is another battle royale that I don't really talk about much because I never really liked it. Um this was this was like right when Fortnite was coming into its own, so PUBG has kind of kind of come down this list, but in 2018 it made 1.02 billion dollars with a b in 2018 now you find me 10 movies from 2018 that crossed the 400 million dollar mark can we Good find luck. one well i can tell you right now the top, Much less top 10. let's go right now let's go top grossing movies 2018, right? Let's see what it does. Let's see what the Google machine tells us. Here are the top 10 highest grossing movies of 2018. All right, here we go. Number 10, Venom, 213 million. Number 9, Solo, Star Wars Story, 213 million. Number 8, Ant-Man, 216 million. Number 7, Mission Impossible, 220 million. By the way, these are U.S. totals. Those other totals I gave you were U.S. totals too, okay? Okay. Number six, The Grinch, 265 million. Number five, Deadpool 2, 318 million. Number four, Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, 416 million. Number three, The Incredibles 2, 608 million. Number two, Avengers Infinity War, 678 million. And number one was Black Panther at $700 million. So I guess if you add international sales. Hollywood is still there with the video game industry, but there's a lot of gamers around the world too. So who knows what those revenue streams are if you add in all numbers, but we're just talking from a U.S. perspective. Um, I only see on this list one, two, three, four movies that crossed the $400 million mark. And, and, only at- three, and only three that even beat the number 10 Overwatch game. 
Correct. And the number one grossing movie in the United States at 700 million, Black Panther in 2018, still 300 million behind the number one uh, game of 2018 in Player Unknown Battlegrounds, and still behind the number two game at 790 million for FIFA 18. So just some perspective on those numbers, which is why I tell you all the time the video game industry is just on fire. That's not including hardware. That's not including, uh, you know, accessories like controllers and keyboards and mice and monitors and capture cards. And I need to I need to ask you another question. You ask me all the questions you want. Okay, another question because it will it will serve two parts. It will hit my question and it will it will allow you to expound upon uh, why you do what you do. Because again, this is still a learning curve. You have said to me on the outside, and I hope I'm not uh, breaking any confidences here. You don't play sports games on the uh, stream. Nah, not really. No. Okay, but you're looking at FIFA 18 at 790 million dollars. Devil's advocate. Sure. You know, is there a your audience out there? Would they be interested in that? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I'm not trying to set you up here. It's a legitimate. No, question. no, no, no. It's a good question. Some of them would. A lot of pioneers do like Madden football, which, by the way, conspicuously did not see on that list. But a lot of a lot of uh, and a lot of. Uh, Pioneers do like sports games. I do not play sports games for a couple of different reasons. I mean, I play them once in a while. I don't want to say I don't play them. I don't. I don't love them. I never really have. Um, and I've loved them less and less uh, as the years have gone on for a couple of different reasons. Number one, in my humblest of opinions, and you know, Ply is the humblest guy you know. Uh, when they Something come out like with that. <laughs> When they come out with FIFA 18 and FIFA 19, FIFA 19 is generally worked on. It's all worked on by the same studio, right? So FIFA 18 comes out and it's cool. It's got some new features and stuff. And then less than a year later, they hit you with FIFA 19 for another 60 bucks. And they worked on it for less than a year. And maybe they added one or two new cool features. And then maybe the graphics are a tiny bit better. But it's basically a $60 roster update, and that pisses me off to no end. I would rather see these. And then there's other reasons, too. The other reason is a lot of these video game studios, and there's a dark side to this industry, but a lot of these video game studios, in my opinion, have snuck gambling into some of these games. Uh, They do what they call loot boxes or, you know, card packs in these games where players will have to buy in-game currency to get a randomized pack of cards for their NBA team or whatever. And if you open the pack of cards, you might get LeBron, but the odds of getting LeBron are extremely small, but you're probably going to get three other Jamokes from the NBA in the pack of cards for $4. Uh, They even have slot machines in some of these games. NBA 2K20, I believe, even has like an actual slot machine simulation that you put real money in to earn in-game rewards. So hold on, slow down, slow down a minute. Person's playing this game and then they are paying additional money or whatever for these packs of cards to try to 
get better at the sports game that they're playing. Is that what you're saying? It's sort of, it's, it's like, uh, and it draws in a lot of casual gamers. Like they, a lot of these companies, like sometimes like, um, when you buy a $60 game, gamers are very finicky. Hardcore gamers like myself are very finicky about, you better give us $60 worth of value, right? Sure. Sure. So yeah, but some gamers, some gamers only play Madden and will only play FIFA 19. So they don't care about the budget because I've got to buy 25 other video games this year. They, they only play Madden or they only play FIFA to, to, out of, you know, to be honest, they play sports games. So they're going to play. I don't really play FIFA cause I don't like soccer. So that's the whole reason why I don't even play FIFA, but FIFA is a giant sport around the world. So I understand that, but I don't, I don't personally enjoy soccer, so I'm not going to buy the sports game, but I do personally enjoy football, especially the XFL. But so when I play Madden, I don't have to, I personally do not have to buy Madden every year because if I bought Madden in 2016 or 2017, just to check it out again or try it or whatever, when I come back around as a guy who plays video games all day, every day and all sorts of different video games all the time, it's the same game. Like they even use the same cutscenes sometimes. Okay. I, I I'm picking up where you're laying down. And I don't like that shit. And I also don't like sneaking in gambling, especially for people who maybe don't necessarily realize they're gambling and they don't put it on the box. Like this game is rated T for teen with some simulated gambling gambling in it. So that way parents can't make educated decisions on these games either. So I don't really like that stuff. It's kind of shady. It's shady microtransaction bullshit that I don't really approve of. Now, I don't disapprove of all microtransactions, like, for example, Call of Duty Warzone or Fortnite have microtransactions in their games. So if you really like a skin for your character or a new parachute to jump down in, it does not improve your skills as a player. It does not affect gameplay itself. So it doesn't make your gun stronger. It doesn't make your guy or girl faster. It just looks cool. So it's called a cosmetic. That's what we call it in video game terms, okay? So when you purchase a cosmetic for, say, a dollar, two dollars, three, whatever it is, that's why they're called microtransactions. I don't have a problem with that, number one, because it doesn't give you a, it's not a pay to win. So it's not an unfair disadvantage to me and an unfair advantage to you because you spent an extra 20 bucks on some bullshit gun that's going to kill me faster. That's unfair. Number one, number two, Fortnite and Call of Duty Warzone and some of these games don't cost any money to download them and play in the first place. So obviously people have to make a living somehow. And if you support and love the game that you are playing, then those particular types of microtransactions are fair. They got to earn a revenue stream and they got to pay salaries and they got to love and earn what they do. So I totally understand from a market perspective and from a business person perspective but those are okay those are those there's some morals involved there too but that's that's legitimate business but to sneak in for example star wars battlefront 2 i don't get too into the weeds but just to give our audience an example everybody was excited for star wars battlefront 2 a couple of years ago by ea when it came out in order to unlock Darth Vader, 
you had to play the game for something like 10,000 hours. Someone figured it out. Like they put the best things in the game behind like this giant, like you need to be playing all day, every day until like you retire from social security to get Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker or whatever. And some of these other characters and guns and unlock this gun that was stronger and whatever, or you could pay us 20 extra dollars and unlock everything right now. I see. I get it. And it was like, dude, F you. I just paid $60 for this hunk of shit. And you're going to hit me for another 20 to, uh, they learned their lesson real quick. EA stock took a huge hit. Gamers went crazy. And don't forget, this is the community that saved Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie. So when gamers mobilize, they can get things done. They're the people on the internet all the time. A lot of the funny memes you see on the internet, those are made by gamers and internet gurus and, and computer geeks and the, the lovely people in my community. <laughs> they really get shit done. And EA quickly turned it around and worked, made you know, worked really hard to, to change fundamentally Star Wars Battlefront 2. And a couple of years later, Star Wars Battlefront 2 is now a popular game that a lot of players enjoy because they fixed those, just, just there's such money grubbing. They, on their face, they're so money grubbing that it turns a lot of people away, but they were able to turn it around. It took them two years, public apology, lots of patches in order. And now the game is popular and, and a lot of people love it because they corrected course, you know? So with the sports titles, I still kind of have that. And, and, and unfortunately my last thing I'll say on this is a lot of these companies that make these sports titles, they, they practiced these nasty little business techniques in the sports games first for the quote unquote, I don't want to call them uneducated, but for the less experienced gamers who just play sports titles, like they're just in the sports world and they pick it up and play with their friends or whatever. And then they, you know what I mean? So they use the sports titles as like the Petri dish. Yes. They can then move some of these, you know, situations or move some of these, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, these little tricks of the trade, and then try to move them into the light of some of these g- games that are most yeah, they made a, by the more experienced guys. They made a crap ton of money doing that, using using those guys as like guinea pigs. Gotcha. That I've, they were like, we can't leave this money on the table. So it started leaking into all the other game genres and then because the other game genres like like uh, the other games you see me play like Doom, although Doom to its credit, there's no microtransactions in Doom. So I'm just using Doom as an example of a different type of game, but like Doom or RPGs, they started to sneak these kind of underhanded microtransaction bullshit ways of doing business into those other titles. But it doesn't work because the people who play all those other titles are like their ears are on the railroad track pretty hard and the gamers are very like receptive right away to what kind of BS are you trying to pull over our eyes and they will bite back immediately. So gamers are very by nature, fair people. Um, and I hate to generalize, but generally my experiences with gamers and gaming communities, 
they're very accepting, very loving, very like they just, they're so into what they're doing and the worlds they're creating and the friends that they're making. But when you go in there and you, you really start to push unfair advantages like pay to win, or you're trying to really suck every penny out of somebody instead of giving them of good value at the $60 price point, and And they really will bite back, you know, and those are two of the main reasons I do not play generally play sports titles. Well, that was an, that was a very enlightening explanation. So back to Call of Duty, I guess, to bring it full circle. So Call of Duty Warzone, is it worth it? I believe it is. Um, obviously, if you don't own Modern Warfare, it does not cost you anything to download Warzone. It is a big download, so I will warn people. It's an 80-something gigabyte download if you don't own Modern Warfare. If you own Modern Warfare and you already play it, I think it's about 20 or 25 gigs, depending on what system you're playing it on. So that's just something to keep in mind. So it's going to take up a ton of hard drive space, and it might piss off your internet cable provider. So just be ready there. But uh, it's worth it in terms of the price. The game is super reliable, super tight. You can tell the budget is good for it. The map's a little forgettable. The Gulag gimmick is cool. I just don't know how cool it's going to be a week or two from now. I feel like it's kind of a, it's kind of gimmicky where you go to the Gulag and you got to fight another guy one-on-one and then get back into the game. I don't know how long people that's going to last and keep people's interest. We'll see. So... Uh, the other part of Call of Duty in closing, there's another game mode in Warzone called Plunder. Um, I didn't get to talk about that too much as we come up here on the uh, 54-minute mark. But Plunder is kind of the same game, except it's all about grabbing money and whatever team can grab the most money on the map by finding it in crates or uh, killing other opponents and stealing their money. And then you got to fly the money out of there by helicopter before somebody kills you. I actually enjoyed that mode more than the Battle Royale mode. So definitely check that one out as well with a team of three. That one, there is no die and you're done. That one is you die, you respawn, you come back in. 20-minute time limit. Whichever team grabs the most money wins. I enjoyed that one more than the regular Battle Royale mode. That's my Call of Duty wrap-up, dude. That was fantastic, dude. I'm the, I, Thanks, man. That that was fantastic, and just getting dragged along on this journey, and you use that term all the time, journey, adventure. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, and I'm not even there. I am. Yeah, man. Muldog's going to be feeling it even more because live Thursday night, March 12th, Ply is going to be joined by the excellent and savage Mr. Gray and Chef from Rally Point Gaming, triple stream, the three of us, Call of Duty Warzone. It's going to be an insane time. Make sure you guys join us on Facebook Gaming. And then Moldog, I did I did remember at the beginning, somewhere in the beginning of this of this uh podcast, you mentioned the stream looked better. Did am I remembering things I did, wrong or yeah, no, it did it did look better and and I I was I was kind of reluctant to bring it up because I don't necessarily know what I'm talking about when you're talking about graphics and this that and the other, but I know just from my perspective watching your streams i'm like i don't know what this is but it's a little crisper a little cleaner that's not the scientific word for it but maybe ply knows what's going on so that's why i threw it out there ply knows what's going on dude i promise so 
what happened last week was uh, thanks to the generous donations and stars, you guys know that everything that comes into the Ply Rock Nation goes back into the business period. That's the philosophy as we make this nation bigger and better and get ready to take over Facebook gaming. So we were able to upgrade the streaming equipment itself, like part of it. I'm still upgrading other things. But one of the things we have to use when we stream, um, I stream on two separate PCs. So I have a PC for the game and I have a PC for the stream. Now, in order to get the video signal from the PC that's playing the video game, you have to use what they call a capture card. You run your HDMI cable from the gaming PC into the capture card. From there, a USB connector will go to the other PC into my stream software where it will pick up a processed post-processed signal of the video game that I'm playing. That's how I stream on that second PC. But from there also, another HDMI cable will come out the ass end of the capture card and it will go into the TV that I'm playing the video game on. That is called a pass-through. So for the past couple of years since I started streaming, I had been using a capture card that I scraped up some money for. It cost me back in the day, a couple years ago, about 80 bucks. And it was a supposedly 1080p, 60 frames per second, generic capture card. It wasn't really a name brand one, if you know what I'm saying. And it didn't really have the processing power to handle a true 1080p, 60 frames per second picture when it was sending it into my second PC to stream. That's why when there was fast movement or whatever, it would kind of get a little jaggy, like buffering, almost like, you know, you're watching Netflix and your internet slows down and Netflix will bring down the quality of the video until your internet speeds back up. I don't know if you guys ever seen that. I don't know, Moldog, if you've ever seen like you're watching a video on YouTube and it will kind of look like crap for a second and then it will look clear. So it was kind of that same logic where the capture card itself was just just kind of a generic one. It was an in-your-door starter one. Nothing wrong with using it, but as we get bigger and better, I decided to buy a what they call an Elgato uh, S Plus 60 Plus capture card. And this is like one of those top-of-the-line ones. So not only is this capture card able to process the picture, um, better and keep up with what's going on in a true 60 frame uh, image, 60 frames per second. It also passes through the game to me on my big monitor that I play the game on. It passes that over to me so I can finally play these games again in true 4K while I'm streaming to you guys in 1080p 60 frames. And it will also send over the HDR color palette for those of you who don't know what HDR is, high dynamic range color. It's what you see sometimes on newer 4K TVs. It's it's like more realistic in deeper blacks and more realistic in lighter whites. And it's, a, it's like an expanded color palette, which makes colors and images look more real or more fluid. Uh, it is also able, it sends along that HDR signal to my streaming software. So the color palette is different as well. So not only does the stream look more fluid, 
it also the colors look different. The colors look more vibrant or they look more realistic. So we're able to do that. Now we're still upgrading some other things here, which we're going to be doing over the coming months. I do need a new streaming PC. My streaming PC, this poor little girl here, I've had her for years. Uh, She's served me well, but uh, she's about a five-year-old PC at this point. And I am going to be upgrading soon to an XLR microphone so you can hear all my sexy deeps. So, you know, in closing, Muldog, with the HDR, the 1080p, uh, pass-through, just working better, filtering the movements better, um, that's why the stream is looking better. I mean... Uh, as we, as we continue to grow and we're currently at 8,400 followers, 8,400 plus pioneers, we love each and every one of you guys. Uh, we're going to continue to reinvest in the show, continue to reinvest in the podcast, bring you even better content, bring you, you know, we're working on other projects. We've got a new logo coming that Muldog and I have to review soon. Uh, take a look at that and figure that out. So, we're going to keep doing it. There's not a waking moment of every day that we're not thinking about how to make content better for all of you because you guys support us and help us do what we love. And in return, the promise is that we're going to give you back everything we've got. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for us for this edition of Ply and the Muldog. We really appreciate you guys being here. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Ply and Muldog. Hit us up on Facebook at Ply and the Muldog, and you can catch the live show on Ply Rock Gamer, the Ply Rock Nation on Facebook. Thank you so much, Muldog, for joining us. Hopefully the next shows we do, there'll be some better news as this news just breaks fast and furious all around us. But uh, hopefully on the next round, we'll have some uh, positive news to report. I'm sure we will. Greener pastures for everybody, and thank you for listening. All right, guys. Ply Rock Nation, all the pioneers out there, Godspeed. We will see you next time. (laughs) 